Welcome to Five Things About. I'm Chris Hatzis. Five Things About is for you and your inner curious cat. The part of you that just loves to know what others know about inventions, ideas, people and places. You've heard the proverb, curiosity killed the cat. The rest of the proverb is, but satisfaction brought it back. So go on, knock yourself out and bring yourself back. Today, we explore five things about lizards with colourful attitudes. Our host is Alana Schetzer from the Faculty of Science at the University of Melbourne. She's interviewing Maddie Ewers about her PhD thesis on the function and evolution of colour in the Australian tawny lizard. Maddie, tell us about the tawny dragon lizard. Where does it live and what's its role in the ecosystem? Sure. Well, the tawny dragon lizard is a small agamid lizard native to Australia, but only found in South Australia in the Flinders Ranges, down the hills towards Adelaide and out on Kangaroo Island. And the thing about this lizard is that it differs in its colour. So only males are coloured. Uh, But actually across the range, there's differentiation between the colours. But then in the Flinders Ranges, we have four coloured males that all coexist in the one location. So the colour is located on their throats. There are four colour types, in fact, in the Flinders Ranges. So we have an orange male throat colour, a yellow, a grey, and then we have an orange and yellow, we call it. So it's a yellow background with an orange patch, whereas the others will either have a grey background with yellow or orange. The term that we give to having multiple colours in this type of lizard is called colour polymorphism. So the lizards form discrete colour types compared to continuous colour variation. So an individual male lizard will either fall into an orange colour or a yellow and there's no continuous colour variation or intermediate. So what were you trying to find out as part of this research? What questions needed to be answered? Well, we've got these four different colour morphs, all within a single population, and you would think, well, you know, evolution, natural selection, it should be one colour, shouldn't it? But we've got four. So how is it that this diversity is maintained within a population What are the processes at play? So that's the overall question and one that can be applied across colour polymorphic species. So that is species where there are multiple colour forms. Colour polymorphism is also found across a wide range of taxa. So we see it in, in mammals, birds, insects, fish, as well as reptiles. Tell us what you had to do as part of your research. Did you spend any time in Flinders Ranges? Yes, yes, I did. So all of my research was conducted in the field. So the Flinders Ranges is a very arid and rocky but beautiful place. I spent three months of each year for three years out there from spring until summer. And yes, I caught a lot of lizards and sat and watched them, performed behavioural experiments, took detailed photos of their colour, took blood samples as well to look at their physiology and genetics. And then we took them back to the field station and measured things like their bite force as an indicator of strength and aggressive ability and looked at their immune function too. So how do you measure the bite force of a lizard? They're quite small. Well, you use a contraption called a force transducer. And what it is, is you've got two plates that connect to a machine that measures force. So you gently open a lizard's mouth and place it on the plates and get him to bite, which they do 
readily. <laughs> but luckily they're small, so when you're catching or handling lizards, it's actually not a big deal. But it's strong enough to be measured and to differ within individuals. Although I didn't find that um, there were any differences between morphs in their bite force. So yes, they will bite one another in the field in their aggressive encounters. So we expected that perhaps the more aggressive orange lizard would have a stronger bite, but that wasn't the case. For instance, although they do these push-up displays and they look very fierce, they might very rarely actually bite one another. So it's all display and not actually anything to it. (laughs) Did you get nipped in the process of trying to measure this bite force? No, not then actually, because you're handling them and getting them to bite and you've got control over the situation. But when you're catching the lizards, then yes, definitely. But they're, they're small lizards. They're only about 10 centimetres long in their body with a long tail behind them. Or they're a bit fierce, but they're not very powerful when they bite. Taking a blood sample from a lizard, that sounds really interesting. How do you do that? You actually take it from their mouth. So if you think for humans, it's quite easy to see veins when needed. But for lizards, they're covered in scales, so that's a bit more difficult. But you can see a, a vein that comes down in the mouth behind the eye. So we just take a small prick and suck the blood up with a a capillary. So yes, it's quite easy and hopefully pain-free for the lizards and it stops very readily when they close their mouth. And what was the conclusion of your study? Well, we found that the different colour morphs behave in different ways, which is linked to their physiology. And ultimately this means that each colour is able to achieve matings and uh, pass its genes onto the next generation, so thereby maintaining all the different colour types within the population. So what are the different behaviours of each colour? The colours are genetically inherited, and along with this um, inheritance of colour comes inheritance of different behaviours and physiology, in fact. So we find that the um, lizards differ in the way that they show aggression to one another, So they're territorial, these lizards. So you'll find them on big rocks in the Flinders Ranges, sitting on the top, looking out, surveying their territory, and then getting fairly annoyed if any other males come into their territory. So it turns out that the colour which is on their throat and which they enlarge when they're in aggressive encounters is, is like a badge, is like a signal to tell others about themselves. So the orange is the most aggressive And the grey employs more of a chicken strategy, so it's the least aggressive. And I should also add that they differ in behaviours towards predators too. So some will dash off as soon as they see a predator, while others will hang around a bit more. And it's the grey one who is the least aggressive, the chicken, is also the chicken in front of predators as well. So the yellow throat-coloured lizard is intermediate, I guess you'd call it. So it's intermediate in its boldness towards predators and its aggression towards other lizards. So we find that it's actually context-aggressive. Now what that means is that it's aggressive towards some colours but not others. So it's the most aggressive towards its own colour type. Now the orange-yellow one is similar to the yellow in that it is context-aggressive. And we find that it is the most aggressive to its same colour, so orange-yellow, and to orange individuals. But I should also note that it is the most bold, so it will stay out in the face of predators for a longer period. And the way I measured that was 
by being a predator myself. So I would spot a lizard that would have a number on its back. I haven't explained how I did that, have I? Well, when we caught lizards, we wrote numbers on their backs. So with binoculars, you could tell who was who. So I would spot an identified lizard with a number and approach it at a regular speed. And so I would then measure at what point it would retreat and go under its rock, which is a safe position from predators. What did you use to ride the number on the lizard's back? Paint. Yep. And <laughs> they shed their skin, so it would only stay there for a short period, mm, which was annoying but also good, ultimately, for the lizards. Has this changed the way that we think about the creature? Well, very little was known about the tawny dragon before I started my research. So as well as a general understanding of enhanced colour polymorphism, we have a more general understanding of the basic ecology of the tawny dragon lizard. What do we do next to find out more about the tawny dragon lizard? You may recall I mentioned we've got the four colours in the Flinders Ranges, but the tawny dragon lizard also exists down the lofty ranges outside Adelaide and down to Kangaroo Island. And in the south of its range, the tawny dragon lizard only occurs as one colour. And this colour is entirely different to the four colours that are found in the north. So they're the same species, but there's obviously a line where there are four colours versus one colour. And we think that they are actually becoming separate species. So that's five things about lizards with colourful attitudes. Or possibly six things. We're good with words not counting. And just for fun, here's a seventh thing. It sounds really interesting the way you've described the different lizards and what the different colours represent. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the TV characters from Sex and the City because you've described boldness and which ones are more likely to fight for their territory. I think of the orange as representing Samantha and... She's not the redhead, is she? No, that's Miranda. Miranda (laughs) Miranda. is the lawyer. I think of her as the orange-yellow. She sort of comes in and out of her shell. The grey, which you mentioned was the most mellow, I think of as as Charlotte York. And um, and the yellow is is Kari, who comes in and out depending on the situation. All we need to do is take the lizards to New York and uh, observe them in the uh, Big Apple habitat. They'd love it. Go shopping. (laughs) Buy some new skin. Thanks to Alana Schetzer and Maddie Ewers. This podcast was made possible by the University of Melbourne. This episode was recorded on the 18th of May 2017. Audio engineering by Gavin Neighbour. Production by Julia Cleghorn, Andy Horvath and Arch Cuthbertson. The Five Things About podcast is a University of Melbourne training program created by Dr Andy Horvath. Still curious? Nip on over to our other podcasts, Up Close and Eavesdrop on Experts, for a different flavour of satisfaction. I'm Chris Hatzis. Join us again next time for another Five Things About.